Well, welcome to this week's Midweek Podcast. You're probably wondering who in the world is speaking right now. Well, it's your guest host, Michael Patterson. I was um, invited here by the elders, and I feel super privileged to be here with you fellas. We're going to talk about an important um, conversation or have an important conversation about civil disobedience. And us as Christians, how does that look? So why are we doing this podcast? So Daniel dropped a bomb um, a couple weeks ago. He, he threw Romans 13 and some other passages in his great sermon um, on paying taxes. Great. So thank you, thank you, Daniel. That was an excellent sermon. Yeah, it was. Um, in your sermon, we talked, or you talked about being submissive to the ruling authorities and that people who rebel against those authorities are rebelling against God himself. That was something that you mentioned in yeah. your podcast. But yet, uh, not podcast, sermon. Yeah. Um, but yet, at the same time, um, you mentioned in Acts 5 that Peter obeyed God rather than man. So mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to figure out how does that look for us, mm-hmm. um, especially in this particular historical moment that we're in. So. Yeah. We want to equip our people to think through individually how a Christian man or woman should relate to the state and how we would think through relating to the state as a community. Yeah. So, fellas, I have about five questions that I have prepared for you. Are you ready? <laughs> We're ready. <laughs> we are ready. All right. We're eager. <laughs> let's do this. Sweet. Let's do it. So, first question. Um, we'll get into specifics in a little bit, but in general, when should we obey God? rather than the ruling authorities. Yeah, I want to take this, just coming out of the sermon, and it's so good to have you with this, Mike. Yes. yes. Thanks for jumping on here. Yeah. Well, I, you know, the first thing I, I think when I hear that question, should we obey God rather than ruling authorities, my first answer is, like, yes, always yeah. obey God. But it's more complex than that. Um, one thing that I pointed out, mm. and I think is really important, when we consider this topic, we don't want to... We don't want to just say either or. So the rather word there in that question is a little bit off. Um, it, it's not either or. And actually, Jesus in his uh, in his ministry to the people, when they asked him, well, "Should we pay taxes or not?" He doesn't mm-hmm. give them that option. He doesn't answer with a "It's this or that." He actually says, "You can do both." And what Jesus's ministry shows, and uh, what we know from what he's spoken about his kingdom, is that it supersedes all the kingdoms of the earth. His kingdom is not of this world. Mm-hmm. So that is that is the first reality. We are able to talk about these things and uh, obey ruling authorities while uh, while actually obeying God um, first. So we can have our allegiance first to God while also giving some sort of moderate allegiance or obedience to a ruling authority, authority on earth. I think that's yeah. so important. So to answer a little bit more specifically, Romans 13, 1 to 7 I went there. It says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm just going to stop there, but basic idea here is um, Paul says, who, who's under at that time a horrible ruling authority, Mm-hmm. Uh, was it Nero at, the mm-hmm. t- at that time? Yeah. Uh, Nero, who did horrible, horrible things to Christians, burned them at the stake. Mm-hmm. He is saying God instituted all governing authorities, so we must 
uh, submit to them. And when we resist them, we're actually resisting God, the, the text goes on to say. Mm-hmm. So it seems that Paul gives a very clear call to us to uh, generally submit to the state. Yes. As often as possible, uh, submit to the state. It, it's actually a way of submitting to God, he says, because they are those whom God has appointed. Mm-hmm. Jesus says to Pilate, you wouldn't have this authority unless it had been given to you from my Father mm-hmm. above, right? Mm-hmm. But as I also mentioned in the, in the sermon, uh, Acts 4, 18 to 20, uh, there's, there's this time when, when Peter and John, they're, they're confronted by uh, civil authorities, actually the, the Jewish authorities. They don't have ultimate authority there, but they had been given authority. And they're charging them, do not speak the name of Jesus here. Mm-hmm. And their response is something like this. Whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge for we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. They basically say, we've got to obey God rather than man in this situation. Mm-hmm. So there's got to be a second category then. Um, it's not always just uh, dis- uh, perfect submission to the state 100% of the time. There has to be a second category because we see that in Scripture. And, and what we would say generally, we're going to get into the specifics, is, is this. We practice civil disobedience... When the government wants to forbid something that God commands or when they command something that God forbids. So that's yeah. a really good quote, and I did not. Yeah. <laughs> that was not from me. <laughs> uh, so I'll just say that. I don't remember who it's from, but... Bobby Jameson. There it is. <laughs> Thank it wasn't you. from Bobby Jameson. Oh, he, he's... Yeah, so, so he says that civil disobedience is warranted when government commands what God forbids and forbids what God commands. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't know who... Who wrote that? Okay, it's it's so good, and we we think hmm. that it's extremely important. And I, I said something similar in the sermon. We simply obey as often as possible, submit as often as possible, so long as it's not going against something God has commanded us to do. Yeah. So that's the general kind of response. Really quickly, I find it so interesting that the person who wrote "Let every person be subject to governing authorities" mm-hmm. had frequent conflict with governing authorities. Yeah. <laughs> As you look through mm-hmm. his, his life story, that's the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I just think there's a tension. Like, there's a tension here. Like, mm-hmm. like, we want to submit to governing authorities, and we can't always. And it's very, it can be very difficult to find out what to do in different situations. Mm-hmm. Well yep. said. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, since I, I, I think it's, it's tricky because you said the word we want to in the sense that we biblically want to. We, we, we're commanded to. Yeah. And it's interesting because you, you look at different cultures and we and that's part of us being good bible bible students is that we have to recognize the different cultural idols that we all inherit that will mm-hmm. skew the way we interpret or apply a text mm-hmm. and you have some cultures that you you were raised to never question the governing authorities or mm. authority period your parents you know the patriarchy whoever whatever the you know your 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 pastor and and so they actually maybe need to be discipled to even think through the category of when do you push back mm-hmm. when yeah. you yeah. reject the authority but for us as Americans it's in our blood it's in our cultural history of you know mm-hmm. we we must rebel. Yeah, and 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 that's and, and then we have to be discipled to think through when that we need to probably pause that. Yeah. yeah, sure, that's good. So let's focus a little bit then on this idea of submitting to the governing authorities, right? And mm-hmm. let me ask a follow up question here: In what ways, as a church, 
So as the people of God, should we honor our ruling authorities? So I'm taking this in question because, and I told the guys as we looked at these questions, because I'm so bad at it, and that's why I'm so quick to answer it, is because my tendency, like my father Adam and my mother Eve, is to assume and believe the serpent's lie that if my authority tells me something that doesn't make sense to me, then he must have a bad reason. Mm-hmm. Or he's looking out bad for his own selfish reasons, right? And mm-hmm. that's something we've all inherited by the fall in, in our fallen kind of warped flesh is we have a disposition towards skepticism towards anybody in authority that they don't know well, they don't know what we know, mm-hmm. and they have bad motivations, right? Sure. And so I think one of the ways that us as American Christians, I grew up in America, was born in California, is for us to fight against the tendency to be immediately skeptical or and 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 think the worst of our governing authorities, mm-hmm. which is hard, right? Because there are things that we could look and see why we shouldn't honor them, right? Mm-hmm. But when we think about the original context of Paul, as Daniel mentioned, is that we're talking about Nero. You know, mm-hmm. he, he was a he was a known uh, pedophile, mm-hmm. and yet Paul calls us to honor him. So if he could call us to honor a pedophile, which is no matter how you feel about Trump or Biden or Putin or whoever, let me take Putin out, but Trump or Biden, it's not comparable, Mm -hmm. Nero and them, no matter how much you feel. And yet if if Paul could, by the power of the Holy Spirit, call us to obey, honor, then there's something there. And so I think Mm. from the get-go, we want to have a disposition of honor towards those in ruling authority, giving them the benefit of the doubt, exhausting every opportunity to obey them, to praise them, give honor where honor is due, right? What do, what do we have right now in our culture politically is that if someone on the other, your political opponent, whether you're on the left or right, if they ever do anything good, you won't say a word about it typically, mm-hmm. but anything bad you will, you'll mention. Mm-hmm. And, and we Christians, we got to be, do better. We have to, we want to not look for the bad, but look for the good and then have the courage to gently mention the bad. But for us, our disposition in a culture and in our flesh is to just seek out what is bad. So I think starting off, we just have a disposition of honoring them by by thinking well of them whenever we can, to assume the best, to pray for them, to bless them, to to give credit when there's credit due. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those are all things that we can start off with. Mm. Yeah. And just one other thought that comes to mind on that is that, this is an area that I need to grow and a lot of Christians need to grow in is regardless of who your political authority is, is having a sense of honor and reverence for them. Um, it's, I've heard so many Christians mm. talk about particular presidents or local officials with a lack of reverence. Yeah. And according to the Bible, since God put that person in that position, it betrays a lack of reverence for God right. when we don't speak about those authorities with reverence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... Someone should get a sense that we revere the God who put that person in that position by the reverence with which we refer to the person in that office. I want to talk about President Biden with reverence as Mm -hmm. for these four years, at least, he is the man that God has appointed over the United States of America. And that's Mm -hmm. a big deal for a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. One pastor we appreciate, uh, he mentioned that uh, David, the the king, King David, Mm -hmm. uh, he, he... there's this account of him uh, cutting off a corner of King Saul's robe. And Saul was still the, the king at the time, even though God had promised that David would eventually be the king. There's this huge conflict. 
But after he had cut off his robe, his heart struck him. He was mm. convicted. I'm, I'm doing something. I'm harming one of like God's man. <laughs> and yeah. so I think that sort of reverence is what you're talking about. I love, yes. uh, I love that he, he brought that up. And that, that's just unheard of in our culture. Um, and I just think that passage that we alluded to, but we haven't said, but it's First Timothy 2, 1 through 2, without getting all the details, mm-hmm. he urges us that we pray for those in these positions. Yeah. And I just think that, you know, throughout the last, you know, six years where politics have been just nonstop, I think my tendency is to criticize um, 10 times more than I pray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, thank you for those words. So 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2, um, and 1 Samuel 24-ish mm-hmm. um, were the two passages that were mentioned here that we can look to um, as far as what God has to say for us to honor ruling authorities. Mm-hmm. But let's get into the juicy parts. So that's, <laughs> that's all good. But now let's get into the nitty-gritty. Yes. So the ruling authority commands us not to meet on Sundays because, let's say, an infectious disease. <laughs> just what, some hypothetical. Just some, yeah. <laughs> infectious yeah. disease. Yeah. It hasn't happened. <laughs> right. well, but yeah. let's just say that happened. Right, uh, Ross, before you jump in that, I, I just want to say mm-hmm. all that we've just talked about, majority of Christians everywhere in all times would, would, would agree like with what we said in principle. Yeah, the devil is in the application, mm. right? And that's the that's where we're. This is where we may lose some of you hearers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's here's going to be some good application now. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, what should we do? So authority again commands us not to meet on Sundays because of infectious disease. What do we do? Sure. Well, I think the first thing we should ask, going back to the definition we read earlier, is whether or not the authority is forbidding us from doing something that God has commanded us to do. Mm. So does not gathering forbid us from doing something that God has commanded us to do? Mm -hmm. And I believe the answer to that question is generally yes. I want us to get into that a little more and explain and unpack that a little more. But generally, yes, forbidding the church to gather is forbidding us from doing something that God has commanded us to do. Mm -hmm. We see that in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Here it is. Not neglecting to meet together, Mm -hmm. as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the answer can't be quite as simple as whenever the government says don't meet, we can instantly just meet. It's, It's not quite that simple. Because there is a category for temporarily ceasing to gather if there's a particularly dangerous or lethal situation. Um, I think one example from history that I've heard referenced is Martin Luther um, encouraged the church in Europe back in his era to to pause when particularly deadly waves of the Black Plague were sweeping through. So mm-hmm. there is there is a category for temporarily ceasing gatherings Mm -hmm. during uh, particularly dangerous or lethal moments. Like COVID, perhaps. Perhaps like COVID. Mm -hmm. I I do think that at the very beginning Beginning, of COVID, when it was unclear what we were dealing with, and we were talking about a couple weeks pause in order to stop this spread or whatever the saying Mm -hmm. was and assess what we were dealing with, I don't think it would be unfaithful for a church to stop meeting at that point. Mm -hmm. The question is, is that when it gets to more of a prolonged lack of gathering, Mm -hmm. when 
I like the, I love this word habit. Habit is what you regularly do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When it is no longer a habit of gathering, when for a prolonged period of time you are out of, out of the regular, out of the habit of meeting, and it's no longer regular. At that point, I believe a church has an obligation to continue to gather and meet, even even if the civil magistrate or the authority is saying don't meet. Okay. That's when it comes down to the point of whether we must obey God or man. Mm-hmm. Now, what I'm saying is more of a general answer. There, there's some more specifics and nuances we can flesh out. And I think Brother Sam has one that he wants to add. Yeah. But general, generally speaking, um, a, sh- a short pause on gatherings for a particular uh, instance is not disobedience to the scriptures. But, but to obey Hebrews 10 and to continue the habit of meeting you cannot, you cannot continue to pause gatherings for a long period of time. You have to be in the habit of, of gathering over a long period of time. Mm-hmm. Just for some really clear application, there, there were parts of our nation that for over a year, there was, I, I mean, the, the restrictions just remained. And churches, uh, especially larger churches, yeah. were really, really restricted on what they could do. Yep. So when we talk about a habit, I mean, there's... Uh, there's various situations that that people churches were like what do we do we're still not technically allowed to meet what how do we respond so i want to hear from you sam you had a thought yeah Hmm. i mean i think principally i'm with you ross and and obviously we were on the same page because that's how we led our church Mm -hmm. is that we gathered but one of the things that we did with our church is we tried to focus on the function of the command and that's gathering together, right, for the purpose of edifi- edification, the word, Lord's Supper, so, so forth. But but not to be so rigidly committed to maybe our function, our cultural practice of how we flesh that out. Because throughout church history and throughout the world, different people apply Hebrews 10 in different ways. And mm-hmm. the key is, are you getting to the heart of the matter not are you doing it the way we do it? So, for example, we met at parks. Yeah, not in the building. Yeah, not in the building. Right. We don't see any scriptural command that we have to meet in building. In fact, that's probably one of the most harmful things uh, I yeah. would say in our church because we think of church as a building rather than a people, mm-hmm. right? And so we we wanted to think outside the box and say, okay, how can we honor our governing authorities and keep within their the parameters they set for us in in a way to for the for the greater good and to submit to them even if we don't always agree with all their uh, their logic and, and so forth. Yes. And so we try to tease it out. And I think that's where um, where, where I've had problems with different churches taking stands and saying it saying calling all churches to civilly disobey and it has to look like the way they're doing it. Right. Well every church has different context. As long as you're fulfilling the commands. And so for a church to be called to do the same thing as a mega church as a house church you, house churches can be a legitimate church, right? Mm-hmm. It's not fair to say it has to look like this. And so I just think what's so important with when we get to the point of saying, okay, uh, we are beyond the habit of gathering and we need to civilly disobey. Have we exercised every biblical alternative and have been you know, creative as possible before we get yes. to that? Mm-hmm. While the, and, and again, back to our cultural background, knowing our, our own cultural idols that we impose and project upon the text 
we all, we all have to be honest to know that in our American culture, our tendency is going to want to jump towards rebelling quicker. Mm, While yeah. maybe an Asian culture, you know, may be quicker to, too slow to get to there. Mm-hmm. And they'll, they'll compromise their witness long before mm-hmm. they start pushing against the state, yeah. against yeah. Babylon. And so we just need to know that as Americans, we're going to want to just beeline towards this. Yeah, sure. And is there any other way we can go about it before we get there? And yeah. I really like that idea of exploring every alternative possible. Because if it does get to the point where there's no more alternative and we do disobey yep. civilly, it should come from a heart of sorrow. Mm-hmm. And like we, d- we really want to honor this ruler. We, mm-hmm. don't, we don't take joy in civil disobedience. We don't take joy in this conflict. This is really us out of options That's and right. disobeying God rather than men, not like we're looking for a fight or anything like that. Can I, can I throw in just a quick question, follow-up question? Yeah. So, Ross, you mentioned the early parts of the pandemic we didn't really know what was happening, right? So we were trying to figure it out. But when you look at this verse, not neglecting to meet together, does Zoom, like meeting on Zoom, does that count as one of the options here? (laughs) You know, does that count? Because Sam talked about meeting in parks, which I would absolutely agree with. But what about Zoom? Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe. Okay. (laughs) Maybe. I I would say if it does it would be the, it's hardly a meeting. <laughs> it's it's like a substitute for a meeting more than a meeting. Okay, it's maybe how I put it. Okay, yeah. cool. There there are valuable aspects. We did that for a very short time, mm-hmm. and we saw the limitations. We knew the limitations going into it, and we felt them very very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were some things that I don't know. We yeah. we probably do some things different than we than we did, and also I'm I'm glad that we attempted. To still serve our people, bring yeah. the word yeah. to people. Yep. Yeah, but, put it like there were some valuable yeah. things about it, but yeah. I wouldn't say it technically was a meeting because we weren't together. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's great. Um, so let's just say the governing authorities want to get authoritative, right? Um, Naturally. <laughs> <laughs> and they end up overstepping their sphere of sovereignty, right? God has given them this sphere of sovereignty. He's given the church a sphere. He's given the family a sphere. Mm -hmm. Usually there's rulers in each sphere. They want to overstep their sphere. Sure. Is it ever right for a local church to appeal to the courts if it seems that the governing authorities are overstepping their sphere of sovereignty? Yeah, yeah, that's a good good question. Um, I would say that, first of all, Churches and believers should not be quick to appeal to courts. Like, we should not be looking for legal battles. Mm-hmm. There, there's something that um, is distasteful about the coercion of going to court. The, that just, I think we should te- tend to shy away from it rather than shy towards it. Mm-hmm. So just like civil disobedience is more of a last resort, I would argue taking the state to court is more of a last resort response to a situation rather than a reflex response. That's right. mm-hmm. But it would be technically the penultimate response before civil disobedience, right? Yeah, it, it's it preferable the, to it civil disobedience. Yeah. Yeah, 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 it's preferable to civil disobedience, yeah. And mm. and I, I would, yeah, I would um, counsel a church to appeal to the court in order to avoid outright civil disobedience, like as, as I step towards civil disobedience when all other options have been exhausted. Mm-hmm. And I think just one... I think healthy example of this is Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C., were prohibited from meeting for an extended period of time 
during COVID by their mayor. And um, other groups were allowed to meet during that time that weren't churches. And eventually they, they brought a lawsuit on First Amendment grounds that um, there was disproportionate unfair treatment that was disallowing them to exercise re- religion freely like the First Amendment speaks of. And they won that case. And, and I think that's a great example of what an appeal to Caesar, an appeal to government looks like mm. at a necessary moment um, when, when really it's your only other option besides civil disobedience. Mm. I would just, one last comment. I think it's so important. This is back to the, to the prayer thing. Uh, to, we, we can recognize God's sovereign rule uh, by praying in those moments, spending like spending a lot of time, uh, mm. even as a church, like gather the church uh, mm-hmm. as much as you can to say, hey, we, we need to pray right now because we're struggling to know how to move forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you take time as a church to pray and ask God to, to shape their, the government's, the ruling authorities' hearts. And um, it's just keeping in mind that our, our God reigns in this situation. Right. And we really want to respond in a holy way. Mm-hmm. We want to respond in a way that brings honor to this God who has a kingdom that reigns over every ruling authority. So mm-hmm. yeah, just keeping that in mind. That's really good. And we just and also we just see in the, the gospel or the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul appealing to the civil magistrates and the Caesar mm-hmm. in some situations mm-hmm. where it's where it's wise and prudent. But it doesn't seem to be his reflex. Yeah. But an but an option that he has. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, a good scripture reference for everyone, just if you want to read it on your own time. Acts sixteen thirty five through forty mm-hmm. um, is a good good place to go to check out what Ross is, is saying there. So now let's let's get to the last question. So this mm-hmm. last question is something that has feet mm-hmm. because this is something that we see um, throughout the world. So um, Governor Walls passed a law banning conversion therapy for minors, and that specific laws um, directed toward licensed therapists and criminalizing the practice and things like that. Um, It's important for me to say real quickly before I ask the question, we see this also in other countries. They're banning conversion therapy Mm -hmm. in other countries, criminalizing the practice also. Mm -hmm. What Governor Walls hasn't done, other countries have done. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk about what, uh, or ask the question, what do we do if they, our governing authorities here in Minnesota, try to ban the biblical concept of sexuality? Yeah. So, again, conversion therapy is on the table, mm-hmm. and they say, you, all people's church, you cannot engage in these type of practices at all. Right. What do mm-hmm. we do? Yeah, so it's a really important question, and it's real. It's not theoretical. So you, we have to, ideally, it's best to think through it now when we're not under the gun, under pressure, yeah. and, and get, get caught up in the, the fear and all the different things that can make us cloud our judgment of what the Bible teaches and what, how we should respond. So this is a great opportunity for us to think through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are two, two places for us to go. Um, first of all, we need to um, just be clear that we, as a church, as elders— are going to lead our people to hold up the 
the biblical ethics of God's design for gender and sexuality and marriage. Mm-hmm. We'll do it, um, God willing, gently, lovingly, but also boldly, mm-hmm. um, and and without partiality. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by without partiality is that we all have different um, hot topics or different biases and prejudices that we are going to be, uh, you know, you know, different pastors who are going to um, have a tendency to to really go after one thing, right? So the pastor constantly talks about the dangers of porn because he has had such a long history of porn, right? Or, or, or talk about homosexuality. And so what we want to do is we want to highlight uh, and, and be consistent with the biblical ethic of, of sexuality and gender and marriage and be consistent, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we are going to speak harshly and, and, and lovingly, but also f- firmly against how, how often um, we look with lust upon a young woman. Mm-hmm. And how wrong that is, and how we feel the sex traffic uh, 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 industry with with pornography, porn usage, and all the all the kind of stuff. We want to be consistently going after that. We also want to hold up the reality uh, that God has ordained for for marriage to only be between a man and a woman, mm-hmm. and that God has created people um, in a certain gender, and that 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 gender should be honored. Um, and although that gender has been marred by the fall, as all of us have been sexually marred at some level, we mm. need to constantly go back to God's creative order and, 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 and redeem um, yeah. patiently. And so that's mm. where we're going to have, you know, there's a lot of topics to go to talk about transgenderism, mm-hmm. talk about gender dysphoria. There's so many different places and we're, we, that's not the scope of this podcast for us to give our like nitty gritty uh, details and thoughts on every single hot topics of sexuality. But what we will do is that we will um, hold up the biblical ethic and we will not um, compromise that because the state says that it's not loving mm-hmm. or if right. it's bigotry or if it's not wrong. Um, you know, we, but I would say I wouldn't go out of my way. Like right now, this Sunday, I'm, I'm covering a passage in Luke that has nothing to do with sexuality. And if the culture speak like let's say they make a law this week that we can't t- teach on you know a biblical ethic of sexuality mm. i'm not going to go out of my way out of the text to start talking about that because the, the world is i'm not going to try to fight against the the governing authorities when it's not necessary mm-hmm. but man when we need to cover it and it's in the text or or or, or we will we will cover it mm-hmm. we'll cover it i just i just want to uh, go Fight against the tendency to want to just fight because because they're c- coming against us. Sure, yeah. but right. I w- I want to I want to hold it up as much as biblically we should hold it up. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. And, and then specific to conversion therapy, it just really depends on what people mean by it. Like mm-hmm. I I've studied reparative therapy in different forms, and I've seen times where I'm like, man, that makes me just sick. I, I I don't like it at all because it seems like sometimes when it comes to conversion therapy, the goal is uh, a certain sexual orientation rather than holiness. Right. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, there'd be there's gonna be a lot of head sexuals in hell yeah and that there's going to be people who have same-sex attraction who are going to be close to jesus in heaven mm-hmm. so the goal is not orientation change mm-hmm. although that could be a sub goal of that you would want more and more our orientation to be more in line with god's creative design but that's not the goal so it just depends on you know just like any in any field there's going to be a variety of different um emphases or takes and some that you would be more comfortable and less comfortable it just really depends on with you know converse therapy so if, mm-hmm. if we had members come to us and say hey i'm struggling with same-sex attraction we can, can we pray and talk through that yeah we would definitely talk to them and, and pray towards a biblical ethic of them um having those right desires but first right. and foremost under the supremacy of loving jesus first and foremost and mm-hmm. serving and, and submitting to him Right. And once we get that as the primary thing, then we can talk about the sub-realities of orientation. 
But God's goal is not for everyone to be heterosexual. That's mm-hmm. not his grand goal for the universe. Yeah, yeah that's, right. really, that's um, really helpful. Yeah. And um, yeah, just, just even to parse things out just a little bit, um, there's not a whole lot we can do about the government banning conversion therapy other than just pray, right? And maybe think about those things in your vote. And I, I don't even know that much about conversion therapy, so I wouldn't even be able to comment that much onto it. Then there's a separate question of if the state actually comes into the church and says you cannot talk about sexuality issues in a certain way, mm-hmm. right? Which is which is a little different than the conversion totally. therapy because that's more in the realm of uh, counseling and things like that, which we're not in that realm of yeah. legal counselors. We're a church, but if the government comes into the church and says you cannot and must not speak about these things, mm-hmm. at that point we have to look at um, verses like the Great Commission where Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples, teaching them to obey all I've commanded you. Right. We have authority at all times to command all people to repent and to invite all people to repent, no matter what yeah. the civil magistrate is making. Yeah. And, and we have a responsibility to do that. And so I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope that I'm asked not to call people to repentance, but if that day comes, all of us who are following Jesus have to be prepared to continue to call people to repent and believe in Jesus, mm-hmm. even of matters of sexuality and gender. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something I want to add is one of the things that's alarming for Christians as they read these sort of headlines is just how these sorts of matters, this worldview is sweeping across the world yeah. with such force. Yeah. And it's, yeah. uh, th- there's language in there when you read a story um, you read a story about this, you find the, the celebration of, uh, of, of these sorts of laws being passed. And on the one hand, um, I can say, man, yeah, like Sam was saying, there, there, are, there are people that have really jacked up people by, yeah. with practices of conversion therapy. Like they've been really, really hurt by getting the, the focus off. They've yeah. missed mm. big time. Yeah. Right. And, 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 um, yeah, I've heard, heard stories about that. But on the other hand, there's still something to mourn as a Christian that, that the, the nations are, are really uh, upholding something that God forbids and said is, is evil. They're, they're calling something yeah. good that God said is evil. And so it's, it's scary. And it's, it's something, man, that we need to pray zealously for the nations right now, mm-hmm. that there's such a push against God's authority and there's no question. Uh, there's no question if this is going to affect the church in yeah. the in the long term. It mm-hmm. will. I mean, right now the the issue is it's not a ban on churches talking about sexuality, but I don't doubt it. I don't mm-hmm. doubt that it's going there. I think that's what Christians are looking in and saying, man, it is it is sweeping the yeah. world, and it's concerning because things are being put into law um, about about matters of of confronting people. Um, and they want to say on, on matters of sexuality, and they're saying things so far as you may not try to help somebody become a heterosexual if they identify as a, mm-hmm. as a uh, homosexual. Yeah. And, the, and that sort of thing is, it is moving down a road that is scary, and we need to pray. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like Ross has already said, mm-hmm. we have to hold fast to the reality that God reigns. He's our greater authority. Jesus said in the text that I preached, he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Yeah. So we give to God everything, including our sexuality. Right. And that just mm-hmm. needs to be the superseding principle and rule 
uh, and everything we talk about. And I just want to add that I think it's so important that the the mindset, the picture that the world has of the church is a very hypocritical church mm. that abuses power often or always or sometimes that um, that just hates gay people, you know, that just has right. a very judgmental thing. Right. And as we are hold up the biblical ethic of sexuality and gender and mm. marriage. We just want to make sure that are we contributing at all, unnecessarily, by our manner, our, the way we go about things, it, to negative stereotypes that are not, not, not necessary, right? There's plenty in, enough in the Bible that's going to offend, mm-hmm. but are we adding to the offense by just because we are self-hypocritical, right? Like, we, we will go crazy about the homosexual agenda on a political sphere and sp- speak very little bit about how much how many Christian men cheat on their wives, right? Mm-hmm. right? Like So, like, the world has ears they have eyes and although they they, there's common grace where they see the 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 inconsistencies in the church Mm -hmm. and so as much as possible if we want to have our witness be as pure as possible we want to hold this up we want to make sure we make sure we pull out the 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 log in our own eyes right and we're we're very aggressive against our own lusts our own sin and our own hearts and that we hold up the vulnerable and love them well and we don't cover up sexual abuse scandals like so Mm. many churches have like all these things just rip out our credibility when we do speak against, you know, unbiblical ethics. Yeah. Right. So we got to do both well. Yes. Yeah. And the church seems to just pick one or the other. <laughs> yeah. Well, gentlemen, I mean, it's it's so good to be reminded that Jesus is Lord over the ruling authorities mm-hmm. and he's Lord over the church. Mm-hmm. He's Lord over us. Your appeal to prayer, like what you guys were um, laying as a foundation in all of these situations, we, we seek God. Um, is so encouraging to hear. And um, we should have a balanced approach, like what Sam was just saying. Um, And I appreciate all of what you said. (laughs) I really do. Um, So thank you for allowing me to ask ask these questions and to sit here with you and to hear the wisdom pour out of your mouths. It's just a a privilege to be here. So thank you. Thank you, brother. We want you back, man. Yeah, for sure. God help us live this out. <laughs> like I said, how much do you pay? Yeah. We'll, whatever we're paying you, we'll double it. Okay? Yeah. Eternal rewards, brother. There you go. That's right. Sweet. Blessings, church. Yeah.